there are a lot of celebrities that do have these sort of alternate personalities. Um, and that's kind of what the metaverse is offering you as a general populace. You know, it's like they've kind of done this with the elite. Now they're like turning this over to the common person and you can become multiple people and have, you know, multiple things. So let's talk about the metaverse. Is it good? Is it bad? Or is it somewhere in between? Find out on this episode of LED Live. Light exposing darkness. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of LED Live. We're glad that you can be with us this Friday. We have a special guest to talk to us about a question you guys have been asking about. The metaverse, virtual reality. And so today we have Dr. Tim Riesenberger, and he is going to talk to us about some of the scientific implications, and we're going to talk about the spiritual implications of the metaverse. So, Dr. Riesenberger, what is your background, just a little bit for our audience? Sure, sure. I am an emergency medicine physician. I trained in medical school at Loma Linda University. Okay. I did my residency training at Stanford University. I have a master's in preventive medicine. I'm board certified in emergency medicine, and I'm a massage therapist because that's what awesome. I did before medicine. Nice. So if we get stressed out, you know, okay. we can loosen get the rub down. I, I have a little time after the show. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, a lot of you have been asking about the metaverse, and, you know, people want to know, is this good? Is this bad? And we have a tendency to look at these things from you know, a scientific perspective and a, a general media perspective. And, and we also want to know, is this good? Is it is it bad? What should we know if we are going to enter VR? I remember I uh, went to Chicago a few years ago, and they had the um, – I was at a convention for teachers, and there was this Loma Linda University Hospital was there. They had this VR set up, and there was a game for kids – and of course, my son is all into technology, and he wanted to try it out. I was like, okay, you can try it out, you know. So he goes in, and it was basically constructing a skeleton, you know, and it takes like a minute or two, something like that. And then he's done, you know. It's like, okay, short period of time. I did VR once, kind of freaked me out a little bit. <laughs> the reason it freaked me out, it was a game. Uh, I think it was like my brother-in-law's, and we had he had a PlayStation or something, and I was going downhill in a sled mm. on the road, you know, like a like a wheeled sled or something. And the the whole point was to avoid the cars, right? So oh. you're going downhill. It's, it feels fast. You're, it's telling your brain it's fast. You're going, and the whole point is just avoid the cars. So you know you're mm-hmm. you're guiding yourself with your head and stuff. Make sure you don't hit the cars. And invariably, what are you going to do? I mean, it's the first time. You're going to hit the car. You're going to hit the car. <laughs> the moment that it was that i knew like i'm gonna hit that car it was the weirdest feeling because it was like oh my goodness i'm gonna die you're waiting for the pain you know you're, yeah you're waiting for it was so it's realistic called norepinephrine <laughs> yeah. epinephrine that's what that's called so realistic that it, it just like freaked me out a little bit my son did the uh one where he's in a, a shark cage you know and you you know you're in you're in the ocean and mm-hmm. you know waiting around and the you know eventually the shark comes from you and he was just like about ready to throw the thing yeah. off because it was so realistic and now we're seeing with metaverse this is looking like it's going to become a multi billion dollar industry I mean I've Absolutely. even read reports of people talking about buying real estate in the metaverse oh, wow. yeah exactly. think about that like 
I mean, a lot of the technology that we're paying attention to right now, of, of even just blending gaming technology with cinematography, mm-hmm. they're developing content now with the forward thinking of it's going into the metaverse. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, it's pretty nuts what they're capable of right now, but, I mean, it's going to get real strange. I mean, you know, we're not going to be in Kansas very long. No, no, no. And I think that's true. Yeah. Like, what's the point of it, though? Like, just having people live here but not really here. Like, why would you buy a house in the metaverse? Or I've seen people also buy Gucci bags for thousands of dollars. And I'm like, in the metaverse, but why? Yeah, but why would you buy a Bitcoin, right? Now look what it's worth. It's basically (laughs) what people are willing to pay for it. And that makes sense in terms of cryptocurrency, but it's like... It's a step in that direction. Yeah. Right? You know, That's the whole point. I stopped trying to understand this world after I saw a little <laughs> Farmville and people were dumping thousands of dollars into it. Of real money. Of real money. Yes. For no apparent reason. It's like, what are you doing? Like, what? this is just a game, yeah. but this is where we are. Well, if you're willing to fork out a billion dollars for Avengers, right, mm-hmm. to continue in the Marvel Universe, yeah. Wow. how much... Are you continuing for the continuity in the metaverse? You know what? I've wow. never thought of that yeah. before. But what if all of these multiverse-type things are literally preparing people to say, hey, there's these alternate... I mean, people are already thinking that there's alternate universes yeah. out there. Sure. And I wonder how much the media is playing into that. But it's like all of this is like convening mm. together. It's the Matrix. It is. <laughs> if they convince you that we already live in a simulation, then what's the difference if I go in this simulation? It feels more fun in here. I can be who I want to be. I can be with who I want to be with. Yeah. I have no meaning in the real universe, but now I have value. I have meaning in yeah. the metaphor. Mm-hmm. Superstar. And I think, I think, um, in a weird way. It's like this whole idea of I can create an avatar, a thing I can identify with however I want to. I can be a man. I can be a woman. I can be a machine. I can be an alien. A dog. Whatever. A dog. You know what I mean? I can see what life is like through the perspective of that thing, um, but there's no consequences to it. I think we're all the way back to the Garden of Eden Mm. with the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and you're not really going to die. It's just this fake, fake world or whatever that that he's creating this is just like a complicated version of that first lie absolutely so for the concerned parents out there and i'm sure there's concerned parents i mean you know those of us that have kids we're concerned parents go to the hills what (laughs) what are the physiological implications of vr well i think that's pretty clear that the key with your brain is as a man thinketh Mm-hmm. so is he, mm-hmm. right? By beholding, we are come, become changed, Second mm-hmm. Corinthians 3.18. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the concept, is that God has hardwired our brain mm-hmm. to say that thinking, right, is very, very similar mm-hmm. to reality. In fact, God calls it the same thing. It's like mm-hmm. you become what you think about, you become what you look at. And researchers in Parma, Italy, the classic sort of study that was referenced in Magic Kingdom, one of your videos that I, of course, grew up with and enjoyed (laughs) tremendously, um, showed that with these monkeys, uh, unfortunately, one of the researchers uh, had left a bunch of peanuts out. It wasn't, you know, completely cleaned up. And the janitor was there and they left the electrode on the monkey's brain. And when the monkey would eat the peanut, right, yeah. Uh, that was kind of the issue is that it would fire motor neurons because it's grabbing, right, 
the peanut. Mm -hmm. But the key is, is that the janitor actually heard the electrode fire when the monkey saw him clean up the peanut. Mm. So in other words, they began to realize that your brain can't distinguish between what it's actually doing and what it's actually seeing. And then they follow that up with functional MRI mm -hmm. and they show people these, you know, facial expressions mm -hmm. and they ask you, okay, imitate the facial expressions, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But the same areas of the brain are pretty much lighting up, mm -hmm. right? When you look at that funny expression or if you make it, mm -hmm. and that's not a hundred percent bad, right? Mm -hmm. Because sure. if I tell you, Hey, do a cartwheel. Well, what's a cartwheel? Mm -hmm. Well, let me show you. If I show you how to do the cartwheel, your brain has to fire those motor neurons, right, mm -hmm. to you to now be able to replicate mm -hmm. that motor neuron. And I just want to say that there's nothing bad intrinsically with watching someone do something so that mm -hmm. you can then imitate them, right? Mm -hmm. But the question is really, is the media itself damaging? Is the actual experience of VR and the metaverse, as we're talking about, is that intrinsically damaging or not? And that's really the question. And when we see with functional MRI, those areas of your brain's lighting up, right? You know, your brain has trouble with differentiating between seeing something and doing something. So that's kind of the, the start, right? So when you look at that concept is what do you want your kids to be doing? Right. That's really the question. Right. And if you want your kids to be doing something positive, perhaps it can be helpful, right? Mm -hmm. There was a study that just came out this year on soccer players with chronic low back pain, right? And they randomized them into three groups, control group, right? Nothing, right? Yeah. If you do no therapy, obviously you're not going to get better, right? Yeah. Uh, versus traditional, you see the physical therapy, they go through the exercise, they give you a sheet of exercise, send you home, and you don't do those exercises until you come back to the physical mm -hmm. therapist again, right? That's unfortunately the level of compliance is very poor. Mm -hmm. But what they've tried to do is they said, okay, we're going to do a VR therapist, and these are your sessions, and you know, are you going to interact with the VR person? Well, of course you are, right? Because they've shown that the mirror, you know, just a 3D mirror increases compliance for people doing exercise. Mm -hmm. And this study showed that at four weeks and then at six months that VR was superior to reality. Wow. Wow. Mm -hmm. And so that's the thing is that can this be used to get your kids to exercise? Well, sure. If the Nintendo Wii can get your kids to exercise, probably the VR can get them to exercise even more. Because the number one reason why people continue exercising is doing it with someone else. Right. And if you feel you're doing it with someone else, right? And remember, your brain has trouble differentiating just with 2D or 3D, right? Seeing versus doing. Now this is surround sound, right? This is actually puffs of air. You're you hiking feel... on the top of Everest. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Pressure suits you know? now. Mm -hmm. So will your kid be more compliant with exercise in VR? Probably. But the, but the question is, how is this going to affect them? Go ahead. So I remember um, when we did the documentary Pseudology that was really just trying to get to the bottom of like, is the television affecting you? Yes. Um, one of the doctors that we, he was a neurologist in, um, actually a neurologist that dealt with um, psychology um, in um, Los Angeles area. And uh, he had specifically um, worked with VR to, to help patients that had been through war. 
and there was these real crazy, like, you know, post-traumatic PTSD, yeah, PTSD yeah. and really these really psychological problems that, that they were trying to um, get to the bottom of and resolve. And one way that they would do it was through the use of VR. They would put the people back in a war setting. Sure. They gave them a fake gun, rubber gun, and then they all of a sudden had all these people dying all around them. And then they'd walk them through that process. And that was somehow helping them. Yeah, that's, that's something helping use. them through that. Sure. And that always struck me as like strange. Like, you know, if you have all this like fear of that experience, why would you want to go back to that experience? And it was for exactly what you said that process of being there enough times desensitized you to the point where you could then manage and, and, and live a normal life and they could help you through that process. So it's like, if you're watching all this crazy sinful yeah. stuff, you know, I mean, is that basically, you know, inching you closer to acceptance of that activity or whatever, you know, Fortnite, if you're running well, around playing Fortnite all day long, you know? Well, sure. And, and I think that your concept is very valid. Because what they've found in studies as far as how does VR affect the brain, how does VR affect memories like a traumatic memory or whatever, what they found is they use different types of media to embed a memory in mm. children to basically create reality wow. in your kid's mm. mind. The, the four to six-year-olds, they were able to fool them with the same success by using audio clues, taking a picture where they Photoshop them. Hey, this is you singing, swimming with orcas. Do you remember that? Oh, right? Oh, and wow. then they gave them the VR experience to try to embed the memory. Now, the 46-year-olds, they'll say anything, basically. Yeah. So <laughs> it, was, so cool. it was no different. It was no different. Now, the 7 to approximately 12-year-olds, like the elementary school-age kids, they found that VR was highly successful in embedding a false memory. Oh, wow. Into them. So, again, they can use VR on your kids. <laughs> and your kids are so impressionable. It's like I always tell people, when you're young, your brain is plastic, mm -hmm. basically. And that's, I mean, there's huge implications for that. Like, for us as guys who aren't married, um, or uh, those of you maybe who are married, you know, maybe that's an implication. But the concept is, is that if you marry and you're younger, you have a higher risk of divorce. Like at, at basically, if you're a teenager, it's 90%, right? Wow. But as you go over time, if it's first time marriages, by the way, yeah. if you divorce once, it's always easy to do again, right? And that's the concept with sin, right? It's easy to do it over and over again once you've kind of opened Pandora's mm -hmm. box, so to speak. Mm -hmm. But they found that it was like mid-20s to late 20s. And they're like, well, why is that? And then the research kind of caught up and said, well, your neurons don't finish myelinating until late 20s mm. for guys. Girls wow. are sooner. Obviously, you guys mature mm. sooner as far as brain anatomy and physiology. And so the earlier you're going at uh, these individuals, right, when you're looking at a four- to six-year-old, it's hard for them to distinguish fantasy from reality. And we know that, right? They have mm -hmm. imaginary friends, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. They talk to them. But the thing is, they grow out of that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Do you have, like... Uh, is your 7, 10, 11, 12-year-old still talking to their imaginary friend? I hope not, right? <laughs> but if they're four, that's probably a normal behavior, right? Mm. But the problem is, is that when you're 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, and with VR, we can plant now memories. And those kids said it was a real memory. Wow. And they said, remember when you were doing this? And they would Photoshop there. Because they can actually put you, like we, Mikey and I were reviewing this video, they put the lady on the other side of the screen in the video, her right. reflection. Mm -hmm. They can do that now and create an avatar of you. But now, 
with Photoshop and even voice clips. You can, you can have the kids say something. I think another thing that's really alarming, you're bringing up kind of some, a lot of things here, but the, <laughs> the, the idea of like other people being able to enter into this universe simultaneously together, right? You're worried about who your kid's playing with already. Yeah. Like right. what house are you going over to and all that, right? Now you're talking about putting that child in a totally unique environment where other people could have access to that endlessly. Yeah. I think this is a recipe for disaster. You think about you know, if you can be whatever you want to be, mm-hmm. let's say, you know, your eight-year-old wants to be 16. You know, your eight-year-old wants to be 24. And people are going to treat them like they that. avatar. Appear to uh, be yeah. in the metaverse. And they look and like the other that person in their doesn't you know, avatar. know that. <laughs> you know what I mean? They're going to start approaching them as that age. Wow. I mean, I just I, I just think that this is There's not There's a lot of ethical good. implications. Yeah, this is not good. Or you need controls. And I think that that's really the question, is where are the ethics? Mm-hmm. Uh, another study at Stanford, out of my alma mater, um, they looked at impulse control in children. And they used a great study design, right? They used Grover, right? Super Grover, mm-hmm. right? And Super Grover was paying, playing Simon Says with them. And we had just the same clip, right? We created a VR clip of Super Grover playing it versus you know, a 2D television screen for Super Grover. And the key was, is that on the screen, they were much better able with impulse control. But once you created a VR Grover, they lost the impulse control. Hmm. And the implications there are, of course, economic, right? Mm -hmm. The concept is, is that I want to remove your impulse control when you're wanting to spend, right? Mm. And I mean, we can do that in tangible ways, right? If you actually have to do something to go beyond your inhibitions, then it's harder. That's yeah. why the Bible says, make not provision for the flesh mm-hmm. to fulfill the lust thereof, right? Mm-hmm. You get rid of your cigarettes. You cut your internet connection at home. Maybe just access the internet for a while in the library. You don't go you know, to the bar. Yeah, you don't go to the bar. You get rid of all your credit cards and pay everything with cash mm-hmm. because the act they found that the act of reaching in your pocket hurts. Hurts, yeah, and to do that... <laughs> is can be bypassed with a credit card a little bit easier. Interesting. And the thing is, is that if we've already seen that children lose impulse control, when you create a VR situation of the identical situation, what are the implications there? I think it's very clear. I think you're going to have impulse control issues in the metaverse. So are you aware of any studies about impulse control in childhood, let's say, absolutely, you know, they they have the marshmallow, not the classic one. Yeah, the marshmallow mm. one, but where they really didn't have any checks and balances when they were young. Have those children been followed over time sure. as adults, and, sure. and how did they? Yeah, turn I think out? I think the marshmallow study is a good one, uh, and I don't know exactly if it was nurture versus nature. Were they seeing the problems at home for the first time? during the marshmallow study, but essentially the marshmallow study, and there's various permutations of it, is here's a marshmallow. Not to say that you're the child, but you're just (laughs) at my convenient left hand here. Here's a marshmallow. Now, if you wait till I come back, I'll give you two. And they just started the clock. How long could the child resist the marshmallow? Interesting. And Mm. the concept was, is that some kids were able to go huge amounts of time, but many kids were like, As soon as the researcher went out the room, they ate the marshmallow. And they found that that was implicated not just in academic success Mm. and financial success, 
level of education, marital success, jail time. Hmm. So ultimately, our ability to resist following our heart is actually the trigger for success, not following our heart. Hmm. Like you guys show in your clips, I love that basically a kaleidoscope clip where you show all of the instances where Disney oh, says that. And it's like every single show, every single movie that comes up. So ultimately, yes, mm-hmm. it's very clear that the more you can delay gratification, the more you can put a lid on the impulse control, you're successful in all areas of life. Because ultimately, right, we have a fallen nature. Right? I, I yeah. notice this in my children when they eat food. Um, my daughter has always been, she'll take a look at the plate and she'll figure out which thing she likes the most. And it goes, pushes off to the side. And I mean, it'll like She's literally practicing. systematically eat around that thing until it's like the very last thing. And it, like my son's just straight like cake. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, it's like he, then he's full, too full to eat the salad or whatever. Right. He's you know? learned delayed gratification yeah. at an early yeah. age. But my wife and I have noticed this in our children, and we have encouraged, you know, like, um, this behavior in my son, and he's actually transformed and changed. Now he is actually leaving the, the things he what desires the most for the last. He'll eat all his yeah. vegetables and salad and stuff like that first, and it's great. And I that's, do that, too. And that's, yeah. and that's the concept, is that we always have had traditionally, because of honestly, um, we have a Puritan work ethic. Many of us are related to the people that came over, right? They found that, what is it, 80% of the U.S. is actually immigrants. So most of us here now can trace our roots back to somebody who came over here from some other country. Mm -hmm. So genetically, we have that Quaker. We have that Puritan work ethic. And really, that's what has made America great, right? Mm -hmm. Is that people can trust American quality. People can trust when you say you're going to pay this back. Yes, I'll pay it back. I don't know how we're going to pay back what a 30, 33, 30 trillion now, but uh, that's more than maybe the metaverse will help us make that back. Right? That's right. So that's that's the concept is that you traditionally genetically have the desire to uh, work first, play later, right? But if your job is in the metaverse. Mm. Yeah. Right. Then that becomes very blurred, doesn't it? And that's the whole concept is that even with the phones, I think we can all attest. Right. Hard yeah. To put it down. Yeah, exactly. Well, hey, hey, I'm on the phone. and Oh, I've got this message or whatever. Oh, I went to do research last night when we when we picked up our phones. Right. We can all attest to the fact that it's hard to stay on task when you have that phone, even if you turn all the banners off. Even if you turn whatever, oh, uh, maybe I'll check that email or whatever, you get distracted very easily, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And that's the concept is that there's already health implications for screen time of any yeah. media, right? You know, and, and there's all-cause mortality studies on that already, mm. you know? So is VR going to be even more distracting for you? Because it's like if you're trying to do your job and someone can interact with you on the metaverse, instead of sending you a notification, they can walk by and say, hey, what about this? Would you like to buy this? No, no, I don't want to buy that. So if you have to actually wave that person away now rather than just turn them off, right, is that going to be hard? Can you imagine advertising? Like if you can't block advertising, it's like the Geico gecko comes by and wants (laughs) to sell you on insurance. (laughs) He's like at your front door. That makes me wonder, 
what matters to us a lot is like physical contact with other people. So how do you think the metaverse is going to affect that? Like it sounds like it's going to breed a lot of dissatisfaction and probably increase depression or can virtual reality actually give you a sense that you are in close contact with someone? Well, a lot of people have asked me um, why, I mean, and Scotty can tell you this, I'm a big hug guy. I'm mm -hmm. a big hugger. Mm -hmm. People don't like that necessarily. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> Small um, bubble. Small yeah, bubble. exactly. Most people are like, oh, okay. Or they'll do the like, side you know, whatever the side or what, what not. But they've actually shown in real studies that this close proximity that you have is so powerful. Not just for the people involved, but I mean, your health, your well-being, your development. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have mice studies, right? And now they've replicated that on orphan sort of studies. Is mice, when they're born, what does the mother immediately start doing to them, do you mm -hmm. think? Licking them, mm -hmm. right? But they actually have simulated everything with that lick. They created a little brush that was exactly the same. They all died. Mm -hmm. <gasps> wow. There is a difference between a virtual touch <clears throat> and a real touch. Mm -hmm. I There's think, a, a vast difference. And then they repeated that in orphans, right? They were given this mechanical sort of touch, the mm -hmm. same thing as simulated a hug. They simulated the vertical motion that kids all love because they're women, everything. They, they, they tried to like do all of that and they didn't thrive. Yeah. There is something that goes on when you have a real embrace. And that's why I tell people, is I'm actually just being selfish. I'm actually just drawing <laughs> that power because I'm working on a, a, an age reversal program right now. Mm -hmm. And I know I'm the oldest person in this room already. But that's the thing. Is you that... grew up on Magic Kingdom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Could you have age reversal if you grew up on Magic Kingdom? I said I grew up on the Magic Kingdom documentary. Yeah, go, that's the go. thing because there's a difference. Yeah. I think uh, like we talk about, is the media itself bad? And we all know that the screen takes you from beta wave to alpha almost immediately. Mm -hmm. In fact, the more you do it, like the first time you watch the screen, it takes a little while, but the second time, your 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 brain waves are in alpha like within seconds. Mm -hmm. And so we understand that the media itself, yes, uh, does that. But the thing is, when I'm watching Magic Kingdom, I'm actively engaging. It's like, oh, wow, I never saw that. I know, oh, wow, that's wrong, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. And so when you're an alpha, things tend to enter into your subconscious and embed a lot easier. But when you're in beta, like with Scotty and Tommy pointing out, like, hey, do you know the scene in Fight Club where they talk against God? Mm -hmm. I had no idea they do that. So immediately I'm going to go look at it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I had no idea they said this, even though it's a long mm -hmm sort of like scene, right? Mm -hmm. But it's just going into the subconscious. But when you're in beta, mm -hmm. when you're critically analyzing something, mm -hmm. totally different ball game mm -hmm. with your brain. So like, and because it comes into motive, right? Why did you go through those scenes? It's not to like enjoy Fight Club again, mm -hmm. but to say, you know what? How dare they talk about my God that mm -hmm. way? Mm -hmm. You know, and what are the implications if mm -hmm. Brad Pitt just tells me we're God's unwanted children? You had a question? Yeah. Oh, I have two. Sure. My first one. So, um, Save your questions. Yeah. You're building them up. <laughs> so, if some, because I know a lot of people try to justify watching movies, because they say you have to be careful with um, um, when you're in that hypnotic, hypnotic phase, mm -hmm. like where mm -hmm. you're just staring at the screen, you can't hear what's going on around you. You're mm -hmm. alpha, alpha brain waving. Mm -hmm. Right. So Massage if, does the same thing, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's lots of things. Like when you're on... Um, 
on the road and you're listening to music and you're zoning out mm -hmm. or someone's talking to you and you're like, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, I, I just missed my exit. Mm -hmm. Right? So that's also alpha yeah. brain waving, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's lots of ways you can go into alpha. It's just a relaxed state, but you become highly suggestible. That's mm -hmm. my point. So is it possible, like, let's say you want to justify watching this movie because you're saying, you know what, I want to go in and analyze it. Is it compared to watching a documentary, if you're watching like Transformers, for example, is it easier for you to go in with that motive and stay in your, what is it, beta? Thinking. You're mm -hmm. thinking, yeah, you're to be able to think through it or will you easily slip into the alpha way? It's, it's hard to answer that. And I think really Scotty might have the best answer. And I remember you were looking at anime mm -hmm. at one point and someone said, absolutely do not watch mm -hmm. the Death Note. Mm -hmm. Let me just tell you what it's about. Mm -hmm. Because the thing is, is that think about what is different in a documentary versus an actual Hollywood made movie. And you guys know this mm -hmm. having been in Hollywood. Everything in Hollywood is down to the T. Mm -hmm. Like I remember you guys saying that little thing in the background that's not an accident. Mm -hmm. The color of that is not an accident. The name of that person is not an accident. The music playing, did you know the music playing in the background will get not only your emotions, but your hormones mm -hmm. in line for what's coming? Mm. Wow, it's, it's absolutely, everything is done exactly on cue. Mm -hmm. There's nothing accidental. Where's the documentary, mm -hmm. right? We're not, we don't have music playing during our interview, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, we have stuff at the beginning, at the end, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But everything in the background wasn't designed for creating that mood, mm -hmm. creating that emotion. And that's mm -hmm. really what they're wanting to do is create an emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Because they know that that's 50% of your character mm -hmm. because mm -hmm. thoughts and feelings combined that's make true. up the moral character and we ignore the role of feelings right mm -hmm. we try to stuff our feelings and resist our feelings no create positive feelings mm -hmm. with god you know mm -hmm. when you look at the admonition it's righteousness joy and peace in the holy ghost how many of those things are emotions mm -hmm. two out of three yeah. right are emotions so i think that we forget that these movies are trying to create a certain, not only message in your mind, but they're trying to create an emotion in your mind. And the thing is, what, what I often do, like when I'm looking at something, like I think, I can't remember who it was, but Steve Chang, you know Steve Chang, he's a dentist. He did a post on Alita, Battle Angel. You know mm. what I mean? And let me just say, it's 100% false gospel alita mm -hmm. satan mm -hmm. the big guy who rules in the city sky above who's that wow. well you know mm -hmm. yeah. and and the, the, the city's name is zalem but the oh, real wow. name is jerusalem oh, wow. come on oh, i yeah. mean it's like it's so yeah, you obvious you, it's so obvious right every but every show you guys pointed mm -hmm. out every sort of superhero movie mm -hmm. the big bad guy is always the god figure mm -hmm. constantly so they're they're trying to create not only information in your head but they're trying to create a narrative. So just what I recommend